Okay, so we're starting at verse 6. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is the God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah. The, um, I, know that the, oh, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Beautiful. Thank you. Let's, let's give Carly a hand. Beautifully done. Great. We're going to explore this very well-known passage of Scripture here and just have a look at some ideas. And tonight my message is called Refreshing, which is kind of ironic, seeing that it's a bit muggy and a bit sticky. Uh, we kind of need a bit of refreshing uh, in, in our lives right now. Um, yeah, 
And we're just going to explore a, a bit about our hearts and a bit about how God is calling us into a place of refreshing. Now, um, <clears throat> at the beginning of this year, I, I told us as a church that I wanted to do a marathon this year. And um, if you follow me on, on social, I did that a few weeks ago, which is, um, yes, was great. I ran a marathon. I've you know, one of those crazy people that have run a marathon. Not as crazy as Michael, but I'll, I'll get there. No, we'll probably won't, sorry. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, I, before the, the, the run was about to happen, uh, I was kept saying to myself, you know, the conditions of the day, as long as it's not windy, I, it'll be okay. Like, I don't mind a little bit of rain. I don't mind, uh, you know, whatever, it, it being overcast. But as long as it's not windy, then it'll be okay. And uh, I wake up that's the Sunday morning of, of the run, and it was, it was the windiest day probably of the year. It was insane. It was crazy winds going around. And, uh, you know, you drive there, and you know how you get, you're in the car, and everything's calm, and you get out, and it's just whirlwind. That was kind of the day. It was just crazy whirlwind, crazy winds on the, on the coast. So it's, like, even accentuated from being on the coast. Um, and you just... Oh, you're kind of in disbelief, like, all right, we're doing this thing in this crazy weather. It's, it's happening. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the least expected ideal conditions, but I still did it. I still did it, guys. It was, still happened. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the thing is that certain conditions, the stormy, rainy conditions, can set something in our minds about the condition of what is going on. And so in this story, there, there is a, a lot of reference about water. What water is kind of referenced here about the well, Jesus giving living water. And in the Bible, um, there are two types of water that is described. There's two, two kind of ways of seeing water, often uh, dis- described in the Bible. Firstly, described is a chaotic water. A waters that I experienced kind of on that marathon run morning of chaotic, stormy waters. It's often described as the seas is just this chaotic mess. And that stems all the way back from the beginning of time. In Genesis 1.1, the earth was formless, without void, and darkness hovered over the waters. And it has this sense that chaos and a place where it can't be inhabited is this crazy water wasteland. And that's the picture that the Israelites saw as, um, as the waters. They, they weren't friendly with the seas, this crazy ocean. And when you look out on an ocean and it's like crazy weather and things are gone insane, you, you, you're a bit scared of it. You don't want to go too far. You only want to stay a bit close um, because we see the danger of what the oceans and the seas have this power that we're, we're a bit scared of and a bit afraid of. And that's the chaotic sea. It's the, the chaotic sea that um, when the Israelites come out of Egypt and they come to the Red Sea, they're being chased by uh, the Egyptians. They're, about to, they're, they're fearing their lives. They're like, oh, we're, we're done for. And they come to the sea. They're like, we're definitely done for. We're, there's a vast ocean right here. And what God does is through Moses' staff, Moses puts his staff in the waters and he splits the sea. It's this amazing image of how God has control over this chaos. God has control over this crazy, vast wasteland of, you know, this, this place that we shouldn't be going. God has control over it. It's an amazing moment uh, in the Israelite history, an incredible moment, uh, and a picture for us that God has control over the chaos. 
And so this, this crazy time, and uh, then we come to Jesus, and Jesus is, is able to calm the storms. He has power over this chaos. And so often this is what's going on in our lives. It, is, it feels like there's this crazy waters. It feels like there's this chaos all around us. It feels like our thoughts or our feelings kind of get the better of us, that life doesn't always work the way that we want. And this can be described as this cr- crazy storm in our lives. I'm going through a storm right now. It's very Christianese, but it, we say it sometimes. Uh, it, we, we have these pictures of this craziness in our world, but then there's also in the Bible described a river of life. There is a spring of life that the Bible talks about, the river and the spring, that there's something about a beautiful, nice river out in the forest or a bush, and you just by a river, there's, it's peaceful. It's nice. It's the kind of place you want to be and just, just chill out and, and just enjoy a nice little peaceful moment by a river or by a spring. You, you hear the, the soft noises of uh, a waterfall or just something, just the, the nice natural ways of, of the river working. And there's these two kind of thoughts of what the, the waters can do. There's this crazy chaoticness but there's also a peaceful spring of life, a peaceful place. And there's these two kind of at work, these two waters, these two pictures, and they're often at work in our lives. There's, there's often this craziness going on all around us, things happening that we, we can't control, things that we don't want, but there's often also just these rare peaceful moments, moments that we're just like, okay, God, you, you're in control okay, I need just that moment of peace and strength for filling me up. And it's kind of interesting that water is so pivotal to humans. We need water. Like our bodies are made up of a lot of water. There's, you know, I don't know the stats, but yes, I'm sure someone here knows some sort of 60% of water or something. I don't know. Well, we are made up, we we need water. And and we have this interesting, interesting, interesting relationship with water where we thirst and quench and desire water so much and I, I think it's so interesting that these two kind of dichotomies of this water this chaos but this peaceful river are at work in the substance that we need and it's almost like God God is trying to say hey I'm in both of this despite the chaos I can bring peace and I can bring strength to your world there is strength for us. And so if we think about this place, the refreshing, and I'm sorry if you can't, we won't be able to read this or not, but we're over here and we want refreshing. This is kind of the ideal, right? We, we, we want to live in a place of refreshing. We don't want to live in a place of chaos. The ideal is to, to live more in a place where we're feeling refreshed. We're feeling like, yeah, this is, life is going well for us. And this is kind of the ideal state. And what God calls us in this state is to continue to allow himself to renovate our hearts. This is the state that God calls for us to experience the true refreshing that he calls us into is actually experience in us allowing our hearts to be renovated, our hearts to be transformed by who he is. He wants to continually do this in us, a work in us, to, to change us and mold us and shape us into the very people he calls us to be, which continues in that place we experience refreshing. 
in the place of him doing a work in us, we will experience that spring, that, 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 eternal, that springs up to eternal life, as he talks about in that story. This amazing living water. But then so often in life, the chaos is around. The tangling of life. Everything is tangled around. Uh, chaos. Yep. <laughs> that is beautiful, guys. That is art. <coughs> there, there is chaos and things that are happening that's tangled up inside of us. That life doesn't feel like this beautiful, refreshing spring all the time. I don't know about you guys, but it often also feels like this a bit. It feels like this sometimes, like things are a bit jumbled up. Like, I, I can't seem to focus on what I need to. I, I, I can't seem to be the kind of parent that I, I would hope to be. I can't seem to, to get my head in the game. I can't seem to really feel relaxed and on top of it. There's this chaos about what life brings. But this is kind of the ideal state that God calls us in. But so often we feel this chaos. And uh, Richard Lovelace has written this amazing book about revivals and renewals, and he's in uh, one of his chapters. He talks about Jonathan Edwards in his um, in, when he was a leader of kind of this key uh, re- revival movement in the 1730s, and he's talking about Edwards' thought on this, and he says this. He says, "The illumination of the heart, which brought converts in touch with the reality of God, simultaneously revealed to them." how deeply sin gripped their own lives. They suddenly became aware that their problem was not isolated acts of conscious disobedience to God, but a deep aversion to God at the root of their personalities, an aversion which left them in unconscious bondage to unbelief, selfishness, jealousy, and other underlying complexities of sin. What is what here here is saying is that in the revival movements where people uh, came to know Christ, so often they actually recognized and saw it wasn't just these disobedient acts that purposefully coming against God. It was often people were, were far from God because of unconscious decisions where we've actually disconnected ourselves from God. We've disconnected ourselves, which have then just made us actually live in these unbelieving, these selfish, these jealous ways. When we've disconnected ourselves from God, these sinful habits actually kind of create chaos in our lives. When we disconnected ourselves from the refreshing, from the trueness, from actually God renovating our hearts, chaos kind of even accentuates in who we are. And in order for us to move from a place of chaos and to experience the refreshing, we need Jesus. We need the bridge of which Jesus kind of provides. And what we have in the middle, yes, guys, we all know it. It's the cross. <laughs> We're going there. The cross is that bridge between this chaos of life and the refreshing that he calls us into. And it's the cross, yes, firstly because of Jesus. Firstly because we are justified not by our works, not by how good we are, not by who we are. But it's the, the, the simple, basic Christian uh, gospel is that we are justified because of Jesus. Jesus has saved us because of his sacrifice. We are able to experiencing the refreshing. And that's the first step. That's the gospel of what happens in this moment. But then secondly, it requires of us 
to live as Jesus called us to live. And what he has called us to live is to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. So this symbol is not just what Jesus has done, but it's also a symbol of what he calls us into. And that life that he calls us into is self-denial. Self-denial. He continually calls us into a place of self-denial to realize that we can't do it. We don't have the answers in ourselves. And often when we try and rely on ourselves, this is what happens. Chaos takes place. And so we need to continue to learn what it means to have self-denial. And it's kind of a statement that's like, yeah, cool. Let, I'm kind of doing that. I kind of know what that means. And so we're, we're actually going to explore a little bit what this means. Dallas Willard. In his book, Renovation of the Heart, he says like this. He says, being dead to self is the condition where the mere fact that I do not get what I want does not surprise or offend me and has no control over me. This is amazing. I've loved this quote these last couple of weeks. After hearing this and reading this quote, it's really shaken me. It's, it's incredible. Let me read it again. Being dead to self is the condition where the mere fact that I do not get what I want has no, does not surprise or offend me and has no control over me. That when we don't get what we want, often the kind of we think of the Christian message, if we pray for it, God's going to provide, it's all going to work for us. But often what God does is he teaches us that sometimes we don't get what we want. And what will we do in those moments when we don't get what we want? Will we be surprised? Will we be like, God, where were you? What, what happened? Will we be offended at God? Or will we just be totally controlled by the situation so that our feelings and thoughts go rampant because we're just controlled by this situation that I didn't get what I wanted? And so self-denial is the true foundation of a renovated heart. It's where we truly start that process of God doing something in us. Is This bedrock is the self-denial that we need to continue to be led by, which is a foundation of the cross. Because then when we actually live in a place of self-denial, what we are doing, and I'll probably write this a little bit higher, what we're doing is we're enthroning Jesus. We're enthroning Jesus. We're dethroning ourselves as that central place, that central figure of, of our lives, that we're in control. We're dethroning that, and we're enthroning who Jesus is. And see, true refreshing comes as we dethrone what I want to allow God to renovate who I am. We dethrone what we want to allow God to renovate who I am. And so the cross, the cross is a symbol of death, but it's also for Jesus the symbol of victory. You see, uh, in, the, in the Bible, actually, that, that was the moment of enthronement for Jesus, that moment on the cross. He, he wore a crown of thorns. He had a robe wrapped around him, and then he had the plaque, King of the Jews. He was lifted high, which was often described as, as, as people who would, were put into that seat of kingship. He was lifted high on the cross. And this was him dying as the symbol of going, I have victory. The way that we have victory is by him giving his life. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in the, in the chapter that we're reading this coming week for ID Groups, he says this, he says, to go one's way under the sign of the cross is not misery and desperation, but peace and refreshment for the soul. It is the highest joy. 
to go one's way under the sign of the cross. We, it's not a place of, oh, misery and, oh, I have to bear this weight, my cross. I have to live in self-denial. Oh, it's not that. When you actually experience the goodness and fullness and the grace of the cross, it actually lifts us up. When we actually live in that place of self-denial, though it's difficult and hard, what we actually experience is fullness of life. We experience the river of life coming into our life because we no longer have to carry the burdens and the weights of what this life brings, the chaos of everything, but we can actually entrust Jesus. We can entrust Him. So this is the place that He calls us to continue to come back to because Life doesn't just kind of magically go from chaos to renovated, refreshing, and then you just automatically always live in this state. That's not what we experience. We often experience chaos continually. As we do this, we need to keep coming back to this because chaos keeps coming back. And we need to experience the refreshing as we live in this place of self-denial and we allow God to deal with the chaos. And uh, this has kind of happened for us more as we mentioned, we're, we're moving house this week, but um, in order for us to move house, we first wanted to actually sell our house. We, have, we bought a house, and um, we actually haven't fully finished the sale process, which is, which is uh, you know, this is partly a step of faith for us to kind of go in this direction. We, I mean, there's, we're on the brink of, of finishing the sale process. Uh, but for us, we put out our house on the market, and um, the, you know, the first weekend we had uh, a home open, and we had two offers the, the, that, that first home open. It was like immediate. Things were happening. It was clicking to gear. We're like, God, you're amazing. This is all happening for us. And we accepted an offer, and then that's where things slowed down. Things began to just take a bit more time than we were hoping for. And then we found this new house and that they were so gracious and they were willing to wait for us uh, to actually be able to move in. They already waited over a month, even though the place is, is available now. And we had all these things line up to be in this new place. But for some reason, this little sale wouldn't go through. Come on, come on, God, you're doing something. And uh, in this process, I've, we've continued to come back to, right, this is not happening the way that we want, but will we let this control us? Will we let this surprise us? Will we let this aff be offended by this? And this is something that we've been kind of grappling and wrestling with in this moment of we're not getting what we want, but what are we gonna, how are we going to respond in this moment? Are we going to actually live in a place of refreshing and let God renovate us and, and deny just, hey, God, you're, you're in control. You have this in control, and we have to keep coming back to trusting Him. And so that's what we keep trying to do, keep believing in, in the midst of the doubts, in the midst of kind of not getting what we want. We keep trusting God is in control. And we see this at work in the story of the woman at the well. Here is a woman who is desperate for refreshing springs. Even the fact, the mere fact that she's coming to the well at midday was, was something that you wouldn't do in those day and age. You, you, you used to go when it wasn't so bright and the sun wasn't so shining down on you. Uh, and uh, you, you wouldn't usually go at midday because that was the hottest time of the day. And so she was going at midday because she's probably ashamed. She had carried a lot of shame probably because of the, the uh, past that she has that ex explained in that story. And so she's already coming to this situation, feeling the shame. She's coming towards a Jewish man, which she already probably felt, oh, this is, this is not going to be good. I don't know about this whole situation. Uh, and she is just longing for refreshing. 
She's longing. She has experienced this chaotic mess, and she's longing to refreshing. And so she responds to Jesus in, in an interesting way. And we're going to have a look at this. Firstly, Jesus says here, I have living water. Water that you, you won't quen- you, your thirst won't be quenched anymore. It's, it's this water that just gives you e- eternal water, living water, that you will not grow thirsty again. And she's like, give this to me. Come on, I, I want this water. I don't want to have to keep going to the world. She probably doesn't understand what Jesus is saying. But she's like, give me this water. And then Jesus says, go get your husband and come back. And then it's like, I, d- I don't have a husband. And, and Jesus is like, that's right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're with is not your husband. And so in this moment, she probably had a, a, a crisis of like, what should I do right now? Should I just bolt and get out of here? Should I like respond badly? You probably wouldn't do that in those day and age to a Jewish man as a Samaritan woman. It's not something that you would do, but she's like, uh, and then she does what most of us would do when, when Jesus, see, Jesus is confronting her chaos. That's what she, he's doing. Jesus is confronting the chaos in her life. And so how does she respond? Probably like most of us would. She avoids the chaos altogether. She, she just changes the subject, and she's like, look, we, we worship here on the mountain, but you Jews worship in Jerusalem. And so she changes the subject altogether. It's like, yes, this thing, this chaos is that, that's going on in my life, yes, it's there, but I'm just going to change the subject. I, I don't want to deal with that right now. That, those inward things, those inward thoughts and feelings that are going on, I don't want to deal with that. Let's focus on our outward worship appearance. And this is what we do as Christians. We're like, how good am I at holding my hands up? How, how, am I, how many of the words do I know of the songs? How am I looking as a Christian? But let's focus on those things. Let's focus on the outward appearance of how I look as a Christian rather than dealing with the inward self. Rather than actually dealing with the problems and the chaos that God wants to confront us with, we just turn it to go, I don't know, how, how am I looking as a Christian? Am I, look, I'm, I'm someone who read the Bible in a whole year. That's great. That's amazing, in fact. I love that. But if it doesn't actually talk to and deal with the inward part of who we are, then really does it do anything? It's an important thing to realize that we so often do this. We hear this, this God confronting our chaos, and we avoid it altogether. And often with Christian jargon and trying to appear that we're doing okay. Are you guys all right out there? <laughs> we like to justify our stance. We like to justify, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, yes, I might be filled with anxiety, but, but I come to church every now and then. Yes, yes, I get angry and lash out at my family, but I'm kind to my neighbor. Yes, I love to please myself, but I, I read the Bible at least once a week. We go through these justifications, and uh, it's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> I do it as well. We, we all have these moments where we like to justify kind of these inward kind of struggles by looking and appearing like we're doing something important. And, and I love Jesus' response. He, in, in the text it says, woman, but I, I feel like it's like, girl, come on now. It's like, woman, it doesn't matter whether, it, it soon won't matter where, where you worship, he says. It doesn't matter. It's soon not going to matter where you worship, whether it's here on this mountain or whether it's in Jerusalem. He says, but the true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. 
It's like he saying it doesn't matter about those outward appearance things that we think we're using to get in control. We think, yeah, I've, I've justified my act. No, but God, Jesus here is saying that those things don't matter. What, doesn't, what truly matters is if we actually allow God to do a work on the very inside of who we are, who worship me in spirit and in truth, who unlock the very essence of our being, those parts of us that we will not let into our lives to truly renovate our hearts. God wants the inside of us to bring refreshing into who we are and will we open up our hearts it doesn't matter where or how whether it's in our home in a couple of weeks whether it's in this building whether it's in a bigger building that isn't important what really actually matters is that we give him the inside the, the very best of who we are we worship him in spirit and in truth he's not interested in how high your hands go and worship <laughs> He's not interested in these kind of menial things that we kind of just trivialize and think, uh, yeah, we just, he's, what he's truly interested in is the core of who we are, the core of us, to deal with those past hurts and sins, to confront those things that we've lived in our past and go, God, I want you to bring healing and restoration in those things. I want to actually bring those to to people and bring that to you and believe for healing to come to to deal with the, the chaotic thoughts of now of of everything that's jumbled up in what what is going on in our lives to actually deal with those things and allow God to truly bring restoration truly bring refreshing so that that statement refreshing comes is I dethrone what I want to allow God to renovate who I am. That's where true refreshing comes. And then, and then she follow, follows Jesus on and says, yeah, well, the Messiah, he'll, he'll, when he comes, he'll tell us everything and it's all going to be okay. And then Jesus is like, he uses these words. I mean, in, in, the, in most translations it says, I am he, but it is this statement, I am. Jesus says, I am the one who is talking to you. And he's, the statement is, is so loaded in the, in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, the, the God of the Israelites, firstly, when, when Moses uh, encountered God in the burning bush, and God told Moses to go to the Israelites and to go to Pharaoh and to uh, let his people go. And Moses was like, oh, but, but who, who do I say is sending me? What's your name? And God responds with, I am the statement that the Israelites hold on to, the, the very essence of the word Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, is this statement, I am. And here Jesus is saying these words. He's, he's like, the Messiah is coming, yes, but, but then Jesus says, I am. I am this one that is coming. I am this Messiah. That word Messiah means rescuer the one who's actually going to rescue us and redeem us and save us and to lead us into the true refreshing. Jesus is that one. He says, hey, I am that one that we're longing for and reaching out for, that, that refreshing that I'm longing for is found in me, he is saying, in Jesus. And so we're called to, in self-denial, to dethrone what we want so we can enthrone Jesus as our king, as our king of our lives. And um, amazing response to her. She, she leaves her water jar there. The, the very reason that she came to the well, she leaves her water jar there to, to run back and 
She tells her village, and there were the, as a result, many Samaritans uh, came to believe in Jesus that day, and um, incredible testimony of what had t- taken place. But that was her response. She's like, yeah, all right, I believe you. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm, this is amazing, incredible. This amazing refreshing that had taken place in this moment for her, she's now bringing to the community. And that's what the thing is, right? We experience in it, you know, the experience the goodness of God, and God leads us through the chaos into moments of refreshing. And these moments are incredible and amazing. But what these are called to do is continually allow us to bring refreshing to the community. Often, time and time again, what God calls and brings refreshing in us is so that we can bring refreshing to the community. So this community, what we as North C3 North Perth are about is actually bringing refreshing to this community. That's why we're, we're so keen to kind of have a different, smaller setting in our home and a bit more intimate and a bit more community focused to, to really hone in on this fact that God wants to bring refreshing to us personally so that we can be a refreshing to this community and to this city. And that's what we are called to do, to be like that woman, to take that refreshing with us to the community. And as Proverbs 11 says, it says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That is that place that we are called to be in, to be a place of refreshing, to receive that in the place of self-denial so that we can bring that refreshing to our community. And again, Lovelace Richard Lovelace, in uh, talking about uh, Jonathan Edwards, he says, a full-fledged revival, when revival takes place, a full-fledged revival will involve a balance between personal concern for individuals and social concern. A revival is therefore not something exclusively spiritual and religious. Edwards insisted that the proliferation of religiosity in the form of meetings, prayer, singing and religious talks will not promote or sustain revival without the works of love and mercy, which will bring the God of love down from heaven to earth to set up his tabernacle with men on the earth and dwell with them. And that beautiful picture of what Jesus has done is he has set up the tabernacle, that, that very sacred space in the Old Testament that was only allowed for certain people. He set that as a place for all of us to experience the presence of God, that we all get to experience the refreshing indwelling of his presence that actually changes our decisions, that through the chaos and mess, we can have clarity. Through the chaos and mess, there is, there is a peace that doesn't make sense. Through the chaos and mess, we, we kind of find a strength to rise that there is that for us as we dwell in his presence and as we're shaped by who he wants us to be. And so let's go through these moments of self-denial. Let's go through these moments to enthrone Jesus and truly let refreshing come and renovate who we are and then refreshing come to our community. Can we do that together? So this week, I want us to just... Take your time, even just block out a morning this week to, to journal and to write down some thoughts. And um, particularly, try and think of a time when you haven't got what you wanted. When that hasn't happened for you, you haven't got what you wanted, and it has surprised or it maybe offended you or maybe it took control of your thoughts and feelings. Think of a time, because we've all got them. 
Guys, so let's not deny the fact that we've all been through moments where we haven't got what we wanted and it has surprised us. It has kind of offended us or has been taking control over our thoughts or feelings. And just think about, think about those moments and just reflect. Take a moment to reflect and go, God, what are you trying to teach me through that? How, how did I react in that moment to, to actually go, all right, maybe I've got control in this area. Maybe I haven't denied myself in this area. Maybe I haven't truly trusted you in the very depths of who I am. And let the worship of our, the Spirit and truth kind of change us and transform us and to truly let refreshing come. And I believe in these moments there is going to be a refreshing spring of life where what seems difficult and hard to go deep and to like, let God do something in us actually brings a refreshing spring of life. And I believe that that is available for us here tonight, but it's also available for you in these devotion moments, in these moments where we take time and space and just let God bring refreshing. And so can I encourage you to take time to do that because that is what it's truly about, us allowing God to truly bring refreshing. And then, and then think about, Continue to think about moments when you don't get what you want. And, and since kind of hearing this statement, like I've picked up so much more on moments where I haven't got what I wanted. <laughs> Just little times. Times where I've, I've uh, you know, had overly high expectations of Michaela or our kids to act and behave a certain way. And they haven't done it that way. I know Michaela's an angel, usually. Um, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is that's overly high expectations. That's kind of a place that we shouldn't let ourselves go because that's I don't I don't live in that way myself and so to have those high expectations we do that to the our closest people so often um, and often it's our, our partners and our kids that, that kind of get the brunt of that and so those high those those moments what will you do what will you do when you don't get what you want in that that moment with your your partner or your kids and the moment at work when a certain person hasn't responded in the way that you wanted how will you respond? Will you get offended? In a moment at uni or when, when a, a grade hasn't happened or something has, uh, someone has offended you in, a, in a, you know, those group assignments, those things are amazing, aren't they? Um, uh, well, there's always one person that's annoying. Anyway, um, not that I went to uni. I've just heard it all. I often hear people just when they claim, uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> let's, we won't go in there. But when we don't get what we want, how will we respond? How will we respond? Will we keep trusting God and keep allowing him to transform us? Keep letting him bring true refreshing because you know those moments when you don't get your own and you've acted in a, in a negative way, it's like something boiling inside you. You don't feel refreshed. You feel like hot. You feel kind of the heat. But where, what Jesus actually, as we in those moments go, all right, I haven't got what I want, but God... I trust you. I just trust you. I, I understand that you're in control. I, I may not get what I want, but I, I know that you are in control and I can truly trust you. And so often in those moments, it's that, that's when I found, ah, it's, it's going to be okay. That weight lifts off our shoulders and strength and peace kind of resides in who we are. And so I'm believing for those moments for us this week and so, Jesus, we just thank you for your refreshing and your life. We thank you that you pour out your spirit in us. We choose this week to dethrone what we want 
to allow you to renovate who we are. And so God, come into our hearts and lives. Refresh us tonight. Thank you, Jesus.